You're listening to the Sagas and Sass podcast. This episode features audio from a previously aired live video webcast. Welcome to Sagas and Sass Season 2. I'm Tara, along with my fellow host, Jonathan, and we are bringing back our special guest, Seth, tonight. This episode will cover League of Dragons, the ninth and final, thank God, book in Naomi Novik's Temerary series. If you're watching live, join us in the chat, or after the fact, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Sagas and Sass to continue the conversation. And just a reminder, the views expressed in this show are those of the hosts as individuals and do not necessarily represent, you know, everyone else present on this recording. Not surprisingly, League of Dragons opens with Napoleon retreating from his defeat in Russia. But despite Lawrence and Temerara's thinking they're on their way to actually capturing good old Nappy, all they end up with is some treasure, which is great for their finances, but unfortunately meant we as readers were in for one last long haul. But hey, at least it's the last one, right? right? Not that they go herring off after Napoleon right away. Oh, no. First, Lawrence has to play politician in Russia for a while, which somehow leads to him getting into a fight with a drunk dude who goes off about wishing all dragons had died in the plague. They fight a deal, duel, which is strictly forbidden for members of the area corps, but Lawrence is going to do what he's going to do, so he's injured because the other guy shoots early, and Hammond steps in as his second and almost kills the other guy. And then they have to come for us together in a little farmhouse. And there's a pretty young daughter and a lot of dumb back and forth where the mother is trying to marry her daughter off to honestly, none of this matters. And why is it even part of the book? No, but seriously, the only thing that actually happens during the whole side plot is that some ferals Timur essentially hired to get news to the captive Prussian dragons that their captains are free, show up with, well, all the Prussian dragons. So that's a pretty big win and all, until one of the dragons tells Timur that the French are planning to steal his and his Gurkha's egg from China. And thus begins pointless storyline number two, in which the Timur, in which Timur rushes off towards China to make sure the egg is safe, only for Tharki to catch up with him and tell him that it's already been taken, which means, well, they're off to France instead. They meet up with Granby and Eskirka along the way, because, of course, Eskirka wasn't going to just wait around to find out what happened. Unfortunately, they fly right into a trap, but a convenient one, because they are brought to a huge covert where they discover that Napoleon is incubating thousands of dragon eggs and trying to set up a concord between them like all the world's dragons, and providing them with the plague cure and granting them the rights and privileges that many countries have denied them. So, Temer and Eskirka plot to take back their egg, knowing they'll have to leave Lawrence and Granby behind, only there's a big kerfluffle sort of thing, and also the egg hatches in the midst of it all, and it turns out that the dragonette, who calls herself Ning, does have both the Divine Wind and fire breathing, and she sets fire to the palace where Lawrence and Granby are being kept. So they get their captains out anyway. And next thing we know, everyone is back in England where Lawrence and Jane make up, Lawrence is made into an admiral, and Temeraire and Priscidia draw up a dragon rights act. Anyway, of course that's not the end because sigh, ugh, Napoleon is still doing his thing on the continent. So that's where Lawrence and Temeraire go, where they take back Berlin and then have to go help out in Dresden, all the while dealing with a couple of captains who still act like Lawrence did something wrong by bringing the cure to Napoleon like 8,000 books ago. and these captains do his best to defy Lawrence's orders until Lawrence starts divvying out prize money to the dragons based on whether or not they're well following orders. At which point the dragons kind of go under their captains, you know, orders, which is fun. Meanwhile, help from the Chinese legions is delayed because they're being harried by ferals the whole way. Ferals who have chosen to trust in Napoleon's concord, that is. And somehow the British-Prussian-Russian coalition's first thought is to poison all the dragons? Seriously, again? What is wrong with these people? Thankfully, this time, they don't get a chance to go through with anything so absolutely over-the-top ridiculous. Lawrence gets super mad that they're even considering it, but because this book has already dragged on for like several hundred pages or something, we don't have to suffer through whatever he says or does to convince the coalition to basically put him in charge of everything. Suffice it to say, he and Temeraire are put in charge of convincing ferals to work with them instead of Napoleon, and it seems like some of the Chinese dragons arrive in time to help, and they defeat Napoleon, and he's captured. 
except it turns out that the only reason he's actually captured is that he's basically abandoned by half of his supposed allies. First, the Tswana change sides, or maybe rather just decide to help the coalition defeat Napoleon because they don't trust any of these Europeans and for damn good reason. And then the Incan dragons just turn tail and run because LOLOL, the Empress, you know, Napoleon's wife, straight up betrays him. So Napoleon and Leanne are sent off to an island prison, and that's actually not Elba, I don't think, which is interesting and weird, but I guess that was too close to the coast. Anyway, we'll get into that. And uh, Napoleon's son is eventually going to rule France with the Incan Empress acting as regent until he comes of age. As for Tamara and Iskirka's er, daughter, Ning, while she was previously an maddeningly undecided as to which side she would choose or who she wanted to be her companion, she finally makes up her mind to go to China and be with the emperor, at least for now. And then there's Lawrence and Temraire, who return to England, where Tharke has finally won his lawsuit against his jerk family members who are trying to keep him from his inheritance, and is therefore able to offer his lands as a base for Temraire so that he can take up one of the new dragon seats in Parliament. And that, y'all, is the fucking end of this series. Thank God. Again. <sighs> uh, okay. Wow. Uh, wow, 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 wow. What even was the plot of this book? Uh, random things happen one after another, and sometimes there are battles before Napoleon is finally caught, And but like he's only caught because he was betrayed. Uh, I don't know. What do you guys think about that? Because I am... So ne never in the annals of fantasy literature has so much time been invested in such a mediocre series. <laughs> oh, oh, that's, that's definitely <laughs> not true. <laughs> but well, or at least not by this reader. Uh, I don't know what the plot of the last book is. They could have wrapped it up at the end of the, the previous book and added three chapters and been done. I found even the end was not fulfilling to me. I did sort of like the betrayal. Um, that was sort of a neat twist, but for the most part, it it was like, how do I bring it to as close to the end of the Napoleon's um, run as emperor as my series will allow when I compare it to real history and at the same time make some minor changes to history with dragons and instead of the dragons taking over the world which I fully expected earlier in this series um, they're settling for a couple of measly seats in parliament I, don't, I just don't get it isn't there a suggestion at the again it's been a couple of years since I read it and I only read it once um, isn't there a suggestion at the end that, uh, like the dragon's power in parliament is going to increase substantially in a few years or am I, am I, I, I just remember getting to the end of that and wondering like if there's, if there is a book somewhere that Naomi has titled Temeraire prime minister and we're just, we're just not getting that. Um, it's so not really because the whole, like the whole point or the whole like thing where Tharke offers to let Lawrence and Temer come live on his land is because what they did when they, you know, they basically they gerrymandered, they gerrymandered. Yeah. Like they took, they took areas of the country and said like, well, dragons can have seats from these areas and they're all like middle of nowhere. You know, there's, there's, it, it's very, <sighs> Yeah, Temer Temer takes takes they, they go live with Arke and Temer is going to take that seat in Parliament so that there's actual like representation outside of you know, I guess maybe some like ferals or dragons from breeding grounds who don't really give a crap and so I, I don't I think the only <laughs> you know thing about the a possible future where they have more power is that Temer at least is going to be part of it and he ain't going he ain't going to shut up. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because he's temporary. Um, but yeah, no, it's it's yeah, they 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 gerrymandered, they gerrymandered the parliament seats that that uh, I don't know if it's called the same thing in England, but that's what I'm calling it because that's what it is here. Uh, well, they didn't they didn't have Elbridge Jerry in England, but mm. they they did have a thing called a rotten borough, mm. uh, which is basically like, yes, this place has a seat in parliament. There are three votes for the person who gets to be in parliament to represent this area so yeah yeah so so you know different different you know i guess name or whatever but but same thing and and so i 
I don't remember, honestly, even though I literally just finished this book, I think Monday night, Sunday night, I think it was Sunday night. Uh, I, I don't quite remember if there was any sort of hint that there were, or, or even talk that they would eventually get more seats. But for now, it's like, they're just going to have to fight, you know, to get dragons who actually give a crap in the ones that exist as is. I, okay, we'll, we'll, we'll get more into the ending in a little bit. Um, like, I just, I feel as if maybe the author wanted to, wanted this series to end, but she didn't really know how to get to her desired ending. Or maybe, maybe, maybe her publisher told her like, dude, these books have dragged on too long. Who knows? Whatever it is. Would, would you say, Tara, would you say that the books have dragged on too long? <laughs> But um, yes, yes, I would. I mean, listen, like the the tr the travel log thing that we've had going on this entire series. I get that. I I think that these books could have just each been shorter, and then the last, like the previous book, they could have completely done away with the amnesia thing. Had them just go back to China, have to go, you know, do the whole thing with the with the rebellion white lotus rebellion and then ended up in russia had a quick little shooting in russia like maybe maybe this last book would have had to be longer but all the other books could have been shorter maybe not combined because you know each had its own story in a different place for the most part but i i don't know i i mean it, i'm very torn as to whether or not i would love to know honestly and not that i don't think i don't think that Naomi Novik would ever actually admit it either way. But like, did she just want the series to end and kind of rush through it because of that? Did her publisher tell her it needed to end? And, you know, so she rushed through it because of that? Or did she just, and then there's the whole, well, maybe it's just this, it's not just this book that's a problem, but like in this book, it's like extra problematic. The last two books were just a fucking hodgepodge of nonsense, right? This one though, however, was just the worst because what did she just want to cram in like a little side trip to Lithuania? PSY, uh, a random encounter with a Bengalese dragon, among other things. Like she's just like, oh, but these are things I wanted in my series, so I'm gonna cram them in here real quick. And oh, I'm out of time. So here you go. Here's the end. I mean, maybe. I, I, I well, let me put it put it to you this way. Would you? rather have an author who finishes a series and crams a bunch of stuff they felt like cramming into the series? Or would you rather have an author who keeps cramming stuff into a series and doesn't finish that series? Are you talking about Martin or Jordan here? <laughs> I, oh, I'm, I'm not mentioning names. <laughs> or uh, Rothfuss even. Oh, oh, Patrick Rothfuss, yeah. yeah. Um, no, I mean, obviously, you can get people who, you know, do, who have a nice balance of stuff they wanted to put in the story. I mean, but, like, even, <clears throat> like, it's hard for me to blame her, because even Tolkien, like, what's Tom Bombadil doing? What's he doing? What's he, he's hanging out. He's hanging out to be a deus ex machina for the hobbits twice. Although, I will say this, uh, I did not I I've only read Lord of the Rings three times. I know, sue me. That's two uh, more times than I've read it. <laughs> but the the most recent time was this summer, and uh I had not liked like I hated Tom Bombadil. I for the state, I was like, this is stupid. Why is this here? They didn't need this. This is nonsense. Freaking loved him. Like could not remember why I didn't like him at all on my most recent reread. So oh, yeah. I, I like him. I just realized that he doesn't, he, I mean, he still doesn't make a whole lot of narrative sense. But No, I'm, no, he doesn't. That's why he wasn't in the movies. Let's never never going to turn down old Tom Bombadil, Tom Bombadil. Although you will never, ever, ever eek those words out of a rabid Tolkien fan, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> like, it might be true, but they would never say it. Or they'll just give you 8,000 excuses. But I mean, anyway, I, I think that, I don't know, like, what the absolute fuck was up with the little soap opera in the farmhouse with the pretty young woman? Like, what was that? What was that? That sounds weird, but that that might 
be a war novel convention that for some reason she thought she had to add. Like the the convalescing soldier falls in love with the woman who's nursing him is like except that's no a, one like that's that's not what it was at all it was literally like this mother was like oh, it shit, was the opposite daughter, yeah my daughter's yeah it's, so I, it, was she trying to destroy a trope but just it was so it fit in so badly with everything it was just such just like it just didn't it, it there was no reason there was no reason for it well i actually thought the op it was the opposite trope it was the desperate peasant trying to marry their her daughter off to um a better life presumably i but i mean i think i think that's that i mean that absolutely was exactly what it was i mean i i can't i think it was lawrence was like that's this is obviously what's happening and that's basically what he said but why, why there was like nothing came of it. Right. Like this, this girl, um, I, I it was miss, let's call her miss M. Cause I can't remember her whole last name, but I know it started with an M miss M was, you know, this pretty woman. And it was between, you know, the, it was between like Iskerka, I think, I, the dragons were all like trying to like finagle her into marrying one of their crew members, right? And then there was the douchebag Russian guy who was like, he was trying to basically make her, you know, like his kept woman. And Lawrence is over here just like, Jesus Christ, when will this be over? Get us out of here. Like, please, dear God, let me out of this hell. And that was probably the funniest part of it was just Lawrence just realizing how stupid and ridiculous it all was. And in the end, she marries the Prussian the guy, Dihern. Di yeah. And but uh, there's like a very brief mention of her kind of toward the end of the book about her being married to, to Dihern. And that's it. Like the, there's no, nothing comes of it. I, well, oh, and I think was it was Turkey was Turkey also involved, but Hammond was like, "Yeah, no, man, I'm trying to get myself a rich girl." <laughs> yeah, Hammond uh, had nothing to do with it. He he needed to marry up. Yeah, it was it, the whole thing was just like why it was just a, it was a waste. It was a waste of pages in a book that just blah, 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 toward the end because it wasted pages on bullshit like this. Also. I saw this like kind of reference in one of the reviews I read and I thought it was funny because someone <laughs> that jerk Gresham guy who Lawrence dueled clearly hasn't heard 10 dual commandment or uh, yeah, 10 dual commandments. Uh, like <laughs> I was like, Oh, good one. Good one. You're right. He absolutely had it. Cause he shot at two and he was like, I was nervous. Yeah, sure. You were asshole. Maybe he didn't expect Hammond to step up, which also, you know, listen, I dislike Hammond most of the time. He annoys the shit out of me, but the fact that he like stepped up and like almost killed this guy as Lawrence's second was like, whoa, okay then. All right. I got you, man. I got you. Didn't even have to shoot early. Uh, and the guy lives. I don't know. This whole, the whole thing. I, do, do any of us think that it belonged in this book? Really belonged, needed to be there for any reason. Other than the author fulfilling some weird fantasy, I don't even think the duel needed to be there. Mm -mm. I mean, the whole that whole plot line was superfluous to the what was going on. Nothing ever came of it. The the aerial corps members are specifically told not they're banned from dueling. Yeah, but there, and no consequences came of it either. So it's like, exactly, exactly. Other than well, I mean, that's a you know that that's a thing where people other than rolling like giving her. Uh, Roland Jr. That is. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, really, nothing, nothing happened. Like Emily Roland nothing. Jr. We named the dog India. Anyway, <laughs> like, like, I, yeah, there, there were there were no consequences for the duel. Like, there was no point to the whole soap opera. You know, who's marrying the pretty peasant girl storyline? There was just. Uh, Sometimes I feel like Naomi Novik wrote these books hoping they would be turned into a TV show. And like, if this was a TV show, that whole, this whole little soap opera pl plot line in this book would probably draw this book out into like three seasons, you know, and there would be something that came of it in the end. Maybe. I, I don't know. Uh, I, frankly, I'm actually kind of surprised that 
these haven't been optioned given the way I, I things are going these days. There are a lot of better books that have not been optioned yet. Can we please at least get them? Yeah, I, 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 well, really what I think it is is if they, if it was going to be live action, the, because the dragons are so prevalent, the CG would have to be like Game of Thrones level dragon CG. And for the longest time, that didn't even exist, right? That's, That's kind of been a, a a possibility for the last few years so yeah like, like if you look I, I know that they made one of the Aragon books into a movie and I watched it and I was like I, and I've seen other movies where dragons were there and they talked and everything but it none of them were that good at all in fact they were bad and I would never watch a lot of it and a dragon heart was a great movie it just yeah. it just didn't have great special effects and, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. And there were some other problems. <laughs> so, I, I mean, I I wouldn't be shocked if this got optioned like eventually. I think they, but it would be so costly. It would be so costly yeah, that's to true. make even now. So, but it it also just seems like they're looking for stuff that's going to go on for a while. You know, I realize mm -hmm. we are we are straying from the point, but just like stuff like. For example, Amazon's like, we're going to produce the Wheel of Time. And it's like, are you, though? Like, that you you just made a 14-season commitment if you think you're going to get through the whole thing. Honestly, yeah. I hope it's not 14 seasons. I hope they look at some of the books and go, we don't need to do full seasons for these books. I suspect that's what they're going to do. And, I mean, they they... Look, they save the expanse only to end the expanse early. So I haven't figured that one out yet either. So uh, have you read all the books though? No. I've read all of them except the last one. Yes. And which just came out yesterday. Yes. Yeah. And, um, my wife beat me to it, so she's reading it now. Uh, but yeah, I, a saga. I I I kind of the last so there's what nine books total, right? Yeah. I have not read book eight because I books book seven was like ugh, or maybe it, it was like portions of or all of the last couple books i was like this is dragged on too long and i'm i'm over oh it. really you know I, i've mean? been i've loved them <laughs> uh, i really 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 loved like the first uh five or six of them and so, so i i but yeah i mean i that's the thing like i if this if this were ever to be made and and we're still kind of off topic when we'll get back on it in a minute but we if will, this were we ever will. to be made into a TV show they would absolutely have to combine things and sh and I mean but that's the thing they could there's like again we keep talking about these travel logs and like why is the amnesia plotline even there did we actually need to see the dragons in Japan like he met that american dragon and literally nothing came of that either John um, Wampanoag <laughs> Yeah, John Wampanoag is one of my favorite characters in the whole series. He's great. He's great. But did he need to go to Japan and have amnesia to meet him? Yeah, I don't know. And, and then we never saw John Wampanoag again or any re relevance to that whole. No, that's it's a shame. Uh, but yeah, you did is... get to see that giant kaiju dragon. Yes. Yeah, but again, it was yeah. just. It was just. Did that even? Uh, it, it, and well, and okay. So so speaking of John Wampanoag. Um, a review that I saw noted that early in this book, it being the czar's birthday, uh, puts this happening in December 1812. I'm not quite sure. They didn't really go into detail about how or why, because um, I don't. I, I don't remember if the czar, it was named, it was said like the, 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 the czar is like exactly this old or whatever. But the person seemed very sure, the person writing this review, that it being the czar's birthday meant that it was December 1812. So what happened to like, what's, what's going on with the entire war of 1812? Like maybe it this person was wrong about it. It didn't happen in this universe. Right. All right. So, so, and again, this person could have been wrong about the timing because we haven't gotten any of the, it's the year XX notes in this, you know, it's the year six, it's the year eight. And this, in this particular book or even the book before that I recall, Whatever. Well, I'm not mad that we didn't go to America because, like, we visited so many 
visited quote unquote so many other awesome places in this series and sure, 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 America isn't that great anyway. We all know this. Uh, I was kind of, I, I'm just mad about the fact that I was wrong about whether or not we would see it. Like I, I, I guess I should have kind of thought forward and been like, wait, they, Napoleon's not captured yet and we only have so long to get him. But I really just kind of expected like he's, he's, he's screwed the war, you know, in Europe because of the Russia thing, you know, the winter and everything, maybe they'll just catch him at the very beginning and then we go to America. But I was wrong about them ever going to America. And I'm mad about that. Yeah. And I'm just going to be mad about being wrong. That's okay. Uh, <laughs> returning to a quick, uh, quickly to an earlier off topic topic. Uh, the expanse book eight was actually the one that I read it and I went, you know what? Shoot. Because, I was like, these books are fun. I'm going to read them once and then never again. And then I read book eight and I'm like, nope, nope, got to read them again. So I had to repurchase all of the Expanse books. But anyway, yeah. Um, okay, so <clears throat> this is kind of a hodgepodge. And maybe it is a, maybe it is like, maybe the books were, I, I have no idea how these books sold, like how well they sold. But I mean, the fact that she published nine of them indicates that she had built so some. <laughs> something of an audience, right? You don't right. Like, like I, from what I hear, it's if, if you don't hit by the third book, that's pretty much the end of your career. So she, you know, she wrote nine. Um, it, it, it may be that she was actually rushed that the publisher was like, you know what? We're not like the sales for the last three books of dragged. We're not going to be able to publish a 10th one. And she's just like, well, I had all these ideas. I wanted to get into it. So here we go. Um, I, don't I, think know. Giving, I think you're giving her too much credit. I think the, I am basing this case, on her later writing. But the whole series is, had was a series of these travelogues and pointless ep episodes in the middle of a plot line that didn't I have any payback later. I so, still found it to be entertaining. Like I was, I remember being entertained by the series, and also the, the books are not long. No, they're not. And if I was to say that an entire book in this series needed to be thrown out, it would be the one where they're in Australia because nothing, ha like nothing really, nothing comes of that. That that was sort of just the adventures nothing. of Lawrence and Temeraire in Australia. Yeah. Yeah. Like literally they, they don't go back to their, to their Valley at the end. They don't, uh, I, it didn't need to be there. It's that that entire book didn't need to be there. Also, every, almost every single one of these books could have been I mean, anywhere from fifty to one hundred and fifty pages shorter. But I mean, the, so going back to the Australia book, the most interesting piece of the Australia book was that concept of the long range freight dragon, right? That never was mentioned again. So. She introduced these, she spent a bunch of time introducing a bunch of concepts into the story that she then proceeded to completely ignore and had no payoff whatsoever. And it wasn't even like red herring stuff, you know, where it's just taking your attention away from something else. It was literally just, this is a cool concept and I like it and I'm interested in it. And then guess what? You're never going to see anything about well, it ever. I mean, the whole freight thing and then John Wampanoag, I mean, I actually thought it was going somewhere where at the end of this series was going to either be, at one point I thought, again, the dragon's taking over the world, uh, and then at least then coming to the dragon's completely dominating world commerce. But it, it was neither of those things. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I, don't, I don't know. Maybe, like, maybe the book of short stories will wrap things up and answer questions and Reintroduce. I know John Wampanoag's in one of them. Yeah, I, I well, and I'm, I'm. He's, he's like briefly mentioned, uh, like in, in the, in what was the last one? Crucible of Gold. No, the last one was, was, uh, shoot, sorry, Blood of Tyrants. Um, the last one was Blood of Tyrants, and he's like mentioned because they talked to some other, uh, uh they talked to an American. And I guess they're maybe trying to get this American to do something for them or help them. I don't know. And it's like, oh, well, you know, John Wampanoag. So, but like nothing really ever comes of that. And then there's um, in, in League of Dragons, 
when they go to Dresden and the entire city is on fire, right? Uh, like they get there and the entire city is on fire and they're saying, you know, I don't think this could be just from, just because of this, like this one flamme de guar, this one fire breathing French dragon absolutely didn't do this. And there's this whole thing where, you know, there's this whole bunch of dragons that are flying above the city with like pots and stuff. Like they're trying to set the city on fire. Yeah. And, and um Prince one of the, the one, it, two fire bombing yeah and 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 one of and one of the uh Temer's new lieutenant the woman uh, uh Chaloner Chaloner I'm uh, Chaloner I'm guessing I don't know she says like what, what, how, how do you spell her name uh C H A L L O N E R but she's british mm. Yeah. Um, so she's she's a new lieutenant. She's one of Tamara's newer crew, crew members. And she says, I've been to the colonies, and while I wouldn't swear to it, the, those green ones on the left flank there have the look of Discopy Beast. Those are the natives up north of Halifax. And Forthing says, what, Indians here? You know, how, sh how, how should they get here, and why would they? Um, and so there's this whole thing where, you know, they're, they're basically the ones who have burned, you know, we're assuming that these are – North American, you know, not they're ha north of Halifax, so Canadian, but still North American dragons, and they're burning this city, you know, Dresden in Germany, and that's it. That's it. They never come up again. They're never mentioned again. They, that's they're never mentioned before this. I I don't believe I there was any mention of Temeraire or um or any or Granby or anybody picking them out from all of the dragons that were there for the Concord in, you know, wherever they were, uh, you know, when Tamar, when they were all prisoner. Um, it's, it's, it, it's, it, it, why, why, why? Like I'm, I, I, I actually, I think I bent my book in anger at this point. Cause I was so easily able to open to this passage. It's like, I didn't fold the page. I just got so angry. I almost cracked the spine of this little book because why, why were there North American dragons there? And why were they never mentioned before this? And they were never mentioned after this, not ever. I, I don't know. It's maddening. It's maddening. Just, I'm sorry, but I'm not sorry. I, anyway, I. So yeah, the, the, there's a lot of absolute nonsense in this book. Um, yeah. Well, it, it it also is <clears throat> to to bring up something you said before. It is interesting that given Naomi Novik's rewriting of history where she can, erasing as much colonialism as she can. Um, the fact that she she's an American author and she didn't go to. America. She didn't go to the States or whatever it is in this. That's interesting to me. Yeah. Is, there's a lot of stuff that, you know, if I could, I'd rewrite, but, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't know. It, it, it does seem like there's more she could do with it if she wanted to do more with it, but I'm, you know, definitely getting the sense that uh, well, she's writing another series. So at least for the moment, she's, I don't think she's coming back to this world anytime she soon. Is. She's and, writing. And I don't know if I have any desire to try her new series. ones. <laughs> There's a lot, a lot I want to read, and I don't think that's one of them. Yeah, I mean, if you haven't read "Uprooted" and "Streams of Silver" or "Spinning Silver," they're very different than the Temeraire books. They're better. Yes. Well, and here's the thing: the feeling that I got, um, and this is kind of jumping forward a little bit and things I want to talk about. The feeling that I got from her writing in these books is that she was trying too hard to be historically accurate in like the manners of speaking and, you know, certain other things, but like she and her, her character developed, like, like Hammond was maddening and didn't really change or, or, or make me like him. Lauren, same thing, you know, Granby was a good character, but also didn't have a ton of character growth, but he was kind of background. Like he, she wrote some, like a couple, you know, fun, like characters. I mean, I loved Emily. I, I thought Domain was great. You know, I, 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 I like Jane a lot, but the, the biggest thing for me was that she she was her the dragons were great. Oh, I yeah. loved the oh, yeah. I loved the dragons. I loved 
Oh my gosh. Like I, 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 I love Temer. Who doesn't love Temer? I would absolutely put him, I think behind probably toothless is, is what I said a couple episodes ago as like one of my top like favorite dragons. Of dragons all of all time. Yeah. My, my problem is that when presented with the opportunity, I usually go full Elmira on stuff. So just like, yeah, cute. Give me, I'd be like, <laughs> I love, like, I love Askirka. She's, she's crazy and maddening and I love her. I really enjoyed Cherky a lot. And I like the, I like the fact, and this was something that I absolutely wanted to touch on is how, well, first of all, like just LOL at the end about how she, I think she writes to Tamara and she's bragging about all of Hammond's family members and like yeah. even his most distant cousins <laughs> and like cousins' babies are hers. And, you know, it's really, it's cute. And, and I, I like how the entire experience with the Ink and Dragons family, you know, ideas of the family unit made these other dragons that spent time with them and connected with them, you know, consider not just their crews, but also the families of their crews who they'd never met. Yeah. Um, like, like, because at the end, toward the end, Temerer is, it's that, that almost brand new Lieutenant, Lieutenant Challoner, the woman uh, has like a family and stuff. And, and he's exactly. like, Oh, well, what, what would I tell her family if something happened to her? And, and he's so worried about being involved in not just his immediate crew, but like their extended families. And it's like, that's nice. Like it's, it, it, it's, it's nice that that change, you know, happened based on their experiences with the ink and dragons and with Turkey mostly, you know, in particular, whatever. Yeah. I mean, I do think it's also cute that the dragons hoard not only gold, but humans. <laughs> yeah. Well, cute. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I was just going to say it's, 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 it's cuter than eating them. Yeah. But why would you choose to eat humans when you have good juicy cows and good Chinese food to eat? Yeah. Although don't they, don't, they don't all love those uh, porridge pits or whatever. Well, speaking of speaking of them hoarding gold, though, so that brings us back to uh, something we mentioned in the summary, which was when Lawrence is saddled with these. I mean, and, and the Arrow Corps specifically saddles him with commanders who they know are going to balk at his orders and give him trouble, right? Which is like, why give this guy an admiralty if you're gonna then, you know, make it so difficult for him? Like, just let, I, I don't know. It, it seems very backwards and stupid to me, but whatever. Um, so they Yeah, I didn't understand. Unless they were actually trying to lose the war, I didn't quite understand that Right, at all. exactly. <laughs> And and I think I, I guess maybe part of their thought process was that they would stop Lawrence from doing anything really ridiculous, which is hilarious because yeah. like in the end they still weren't able to do that. But like uh, I, I I guess I guess like they they so they settled in with these guys, right? And he has trouble with them. And then he, but he planned for it ahead of time, right? He planned for it ahead of time because he knew that the commissariat was just kind of like taking, like taking things under the table and stuff. So he made this whole deal with the commissariat people. And, and also, you know, they, they, like they took the, the wagon train that just had a bunch of shitty dried meat or something on it. And, Basically, it was this whole, okay, well, you took this prize and this is how much it's worth. And the, the, every, you know, you get this many shares based on what you did. And, and, you know, he's handing out shares to all these dragons. Like you get, you get this, you know, four shares, let's say for just participating, but all these other dragons who, you know, paid attention to the, to the, the signal flags, they get more shares. And, and this dragon who, you know, led the column gets, you know, even more shares and stuff. And it's like the, the dragons that were held back by their captains and were kind of like basically told to disobey or ignore orders that they were being given by Lawrence and Temeraire, they lost out on 
their shares of that prize and they, they built it up to this whole accounting system where they had the the tallies and the dragons were making them like write out the tallies and like they had to hire uh what's her name the tutor to like write them out and then she was having to copy them so many times that she had to start charging a shilling to make copies like the whole it was just and the dragons could do the math they did the math all on their own but they wanted to see it written on paper right Th that whole thing was just absolutely hilarious to me and even more hilarious was the fact that it led to you know uh i i I can't remember their their names. What Fidelitas and Obiscaria, something like that. Like the their two captains were the worst. Pool and the other guy's name started with a W. Uh, their two captains were the worst about disobeying Lawrence's and Temer's kind of orders or whatever the the order of battle. And it led to those dragons getting kind of pissed off at their captains. And they're like, you know, the one I think it's Fidelitas like drags his captain in and like tucks him under his leg and is like shut up man like he doesn't say it that way but it's that it, it it balked the whole idea right that the dragons are so attached to their captains that nothing can sway them even if their captains are total assholes and it almost like it takes me back to rankin and his his first dragon yeah levitas Levitas, you know, who died and it's like, man, if only, you know, like if only he had been shown that there is absolutely, you know, something worth kind of, and I, 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 I granted part but, of it, I think was also that the dragons understood that they weren't doing what they were supposed to do in terms of the battle formations and, and everything, you know, like they knew they were disobeying their commander essentially. And they knew it didn't serve for a purpose. Right. Yeah. I mean, they're um, smart so, enough to know tactics and battle and they're like, what the hell is he doing? Why are we? So that, that was definitely. I mean, it wasn't like it. Lawrence was giving orders that made zero sense whatsoever. Mm -hmm. We're trying to win the battle. What the hell is my captain doing here sending me off to, to screw up my wingman, right? I mean Right. And I but it was it was it was just really amusing to me that Lawrence had this whole plan set in place like beforehand just to well, hey, if it gets really bad, I can always just start paying the dragons uh, based on how well they do. And then maybe they like people will, the dragons will come to their senses and listen to us and not their captains necessarily. It, it was honestly, I was, I was, I was proud of Lawrence a little bit in that moment because he, and he was all, all like, oh, I don't know, it's a little bit underhanded. Like, I, he wasn't too happy about what he was doing. But who cares, man? Like, you're fine, Lawrence. You're fine. And Seth, I don't know. Do you remember what we're talking about? Vaguely. <laughs> Vaguely. I mean, it's, it happens, if, you know, if I've only read the book once, like, I'll be able to tell you a general, general plot outline, but it, the details are a little bit. But, I mean, that sounds right. Like, and, and I, you know, I've read enough um, Napoleonic fiction, by which I mean the Sharp series, that it's like, yeah, there's, there's always somebody who's like who thinks they're of higher status or is looking to get a promotion who is like i'm gonna do poorly in this battle so that the guy who's leading it loses and then i'll get the promotion or whatever it is which is a dumb thing to do because what you're betting on is that you're not going to lose badly enough to get killed <laughs> and that you won't lose badly enough to lose the war so I think it's just it's just it was stupid it was stupid from the beginning that these captains are just so mad at Lawrence about I don't know you know like listen for sure it sucks that Napoleon that Lawrence bringing them the cure meant that Napoleon was able to do everything that he's done since then but also you're killing a bunch plague warfare is not good assholes well yeah it's it's like uh oh. Lawrence, you ruined our strategy. Napoleon had the run of the continent for two more years. Our our genocide of the dragons would have been perfectly reasonable. And then they were going to do it again. Yeah. And they, they were all like, because those, those same captains, even after everything, even after everything, they like told their dragons, you got to like, you got to go guard Temeraire. And their dragons just kind of like did it. And only after the fact realized that, oh shit, like we were, we were told to guard this dragon because they thought he was going to stop 
the coalition from poisoning a whole bunch of other dry yeah and of course it all came to nothing it's whatever but i don't know maddening storylines this whole book is just maddening storyline after maddening storyline um so i did love outside of maddening storylines i did love the random tidbit where jane roland like enters society like lawrence's mom helps her enter society because she's a whatever she is now she's a baroness or a duchess or something and yeah i mean she uh, got she she was raised to nobility because of her right uh it, it was during, during the, the when napoleon invaded britain or whatever but like his lawrence's mom helps her out and she has like this nice house and she throws dinner parties and it leads to these random young like women and girls who are part of the nobility you know younger daughters are just i think she mentions like women who just don't want to be shoved into some bullshit marriage for money or whatever joining the aerial corps because they you know have dinner with jane once or twice or whatever i that was a really cool like oh well, i like that yeah because she possesses a freedom that they can right. only dream of unless they're like well maybe i will fly a dragon too exactly exactly i loved it i loved it it's like it's a random little tidbit it's one of the, it listen that if you're gonna give me some like side story that doesn't actually come to anything, cough, cough, stupid soap opera with peasant daughter, uh, that's what I would have preferred to see is like Lawrence having to attend, you know, one of those dinners or something like that where he sees, you know, Jane working her magic and and these girls like clamoring about joining the aerial corps. Like that's what I want to see. Okay, give me give me a side story about that. Not peasant daughter being married off to whoever. Not not the complications of the interracial relationship between Emily and Demain. <laughs> uh, well, I mean that was basically in, in the 1700s. Yeah, uh, yeah, that that was basically an aside in this book too. You know, Jane is like, well, I mean, he's a good guy, Demain. Uh, I would love to see Emily with him, and Lawrence is over here like, ooh. Uh, uh, she she's a lady now. Uh, she's she's like part of the nobility now. Uh, like it would have been bad before, but now it's like uh, even worse. Um, but it doesn't matter because listen, we never see uh, like we never see Demaine again. All we know is like we barely see Emily. Yeah, we barely see Emily, and 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 we never see Demaine. All we know is like Kalila is still out there being his best self, being a very good boy. <laughs> it's yeah. It's it's just. Um, it, it seems like for some stuff, um, it got away from her a little bit. She had too many characters and too many plot threads to hang on to. So she, some of them just left and we yeah. don't, you know, we don't get to see what happens to them. An epilogue would have been nice. Like the, the epilogue is, at the, you, the end of, um, I mean, it's break. interesting you say too many characters. I mean, I, I guess in some ways it was too many characters, but it, to me it was almost too few characters because you spent 90% of the time with Lawrence and I, mm. Lawrence isn't the most interesting person. Around. No, no, I mean, but you know, sometimes, sometimes that's what happens. If we're, if we're talking about Jordan again, I, I definitely feel uh, that there was more of a shift from Rand to Matt in the back half of the series because Rand is, um, what's the best way to put this? Awful. But yeah, I mean, I don't know. Maybe we could have used some some of Domain's perspective or whatever. It just wasn't one of those series. Like it was. I mean, I relatively think we were short lucky books. that we got mm -hmm. Temer's perspective yeah. at some point because that was the only thing that kept me going for a while. Is that oh good, we're getting Temer's perspective now. Thank God. Yeah, I think that I wouldn't have expected there to be more POV type thing situations. Mm. I don't know. I, I don't necessarily think there were too few characters in total. I think that there were just too few that made a difference, I guess. And in the end, even their little bit of making a difference was kind of like, it didn't really matter most times. We're never going to know what happened to Emily and Domain. We're never going to... 
Nine books yeah, of this there was, there shit. Was no, there was no payoff for the people we met, for the most part. I didn't even no. think there was much payoff for Granby and Skurka, for that matter. I, mean, I just yeah. What happened to Granby's boyfriend? Little, <laughs> where's he? We don't even know where he is. So, what? I, what the impression I'm getting is it's not that the series went on too long or that there was too much stuff in the last book. It's that there was too much of the wrong stuff in the series and you wanted to see different things. Uh, it's a bit of both. both. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I, I would have liked, I, I personally would have liked to, to narrow the focus a bit to some of those character side characters that we that we that we liked, but even some that we didn't like necessarily. But narrow the focus and and have some payoff to the end of the series, and to have some growth and have some. Yeah. But it, 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 as I said, there was just not enough, not enough payoff for my personal taste. But as a, I, she did write nine books, so I'm sure there was plenty of people who are sitting here listening to this podcast who are saying these people are idiots. We loved it. I, I mean, it does hit a very particular sweet spot, right? If you if you're into Napoleonic adventure and dragons, mm -hmm. this is the series for you. Or even just so I have read very, some very, very like wannabe accurate historical fiction and dragons. Yeah. No, so true. I have read a bunch of historical fiction that was historical science fiction, alternate history stuff. Um, and I would not have considered this one of the better ones. Yeah, I've read a lot of historical fiction, so I agree. Um, I I did like, you know, I mean, it's little things like, yay, for the it's the Tswana taking things in their own hands and being all just, leave us the fuck alone, y'all. You know, and, and, and I, I did like the, the whole, this is how dragons changed colonialism, a.k.a. it's, colonialism and slavery really yeah. although we don't ever get into america and that's just like freaking well, like so is there still slavery in america because the thing is we don't know they don't really ever talk about it they talk about the slave trade between africa and brazil you know between africa and south america but they don't ever like there's namenovic doesn't ever get into any of the slavery issues between like with america and that's kind of was like so so what's going on there like you well, you nixed the whole slave trade so okay but the, they had at some point like that was it the compromise of uh i can't remember the name of it the, the, but the compromise where they weren't allowed to import any new slaves into america like things like that it's like i don't know they, there was a lot of time spent on things that were that sounded really cool and were actually really cool to read like i'm i i I don't want to regret learning like, or not learning, but um, reading about, you know, the, the differences between the dragons and I mean, the, the, the Ingen dragons, the whole family thing with them and everything. I don't know. Like there, there's, there's a lot of things like that, that I enjoyed about the series, even if it did seem kind of pointless at times, but there's so much that's just like, come on, man. Like, I mean, the biggest change that this book has historically at the end, as we try to project out where the world is going, is you have essentially one group, one country in Latin America and one country in Africa. And that would make a huge difference. And, th and neither of them controlled by European colonial powers, but but one clearly allied with France as a colonial sort of power. so kind of yeah. Well, yes, no, allied now because they control it. Right. The Indians yeah. now control France. <laughs> yeah, which could be worse off, I guess. Now, what that means a hundred years later, who the hell knows? But that's another series for another day but uh, and frankly i i wouldn't mind if she wanted to be like well what would the, what would this look like in the 20th century of this version of history i'd probably read that book mm -hmm. yeah we'd have to well we we need harry turtledove to write it because he does that sort of thing but uh, <laughs> uh, i'm gonna write a five book series about aliens but actually it's not the prime invasion that's coming later uh. <laughs> 
You didn't um, like the World War series? I did not. I did not enjoy it. Uh, I felt that most of the characterization was pretty flat, um, and that again, that it felt like he was writing that series to set himself up for another series, which I very much dislike. Well, I, I actually really liked the World War series. I must admit, I despised what happened after it with the colonization series that came later. But <laughs> but all that aside, yeah. uh, speaking all of that aside. After, <laughs> Speaking of setting up for another series, in conclusion, I feel like Naomi Novik left enough open ends. Emily and Domaine, for instance, that's like the easiest one I'm coming up with. Um, but also like the whole what's happening with dragons in Parliament and everything to eventually write more in this world. But she hasn't to any extent that I know of yet. And also just... Based on it all, I'm okay with leaving it where it is myself. I, I, I'm. There are there are parts of the series that I actually really enjoyed. You know, I, I would never put it in my top ten book series for sure. But I just I really loved the dragons for the most part. I I did love seeing certain parts, not not all of them, but certain parts of the world. Like I said, I love the South American stuff. I love the African stuff. I even really like oh. the Chinese stuff in, in book two, but I I got really tired. And and in this this book, especially for some reason, and it was really hard for me to finish this book. This is probably the first one since book three three black powder war that was actually difficult for me to finish in time because I was just like, I don't, I'm tired of the stilted conversation and the attempts to be like, I'm writing, you know, J like Jane Austen. This series had a lot of promise and I think it did have some payoff in terms of how well the dragons were written and, and certain things about the different parts of the world and, and the, the breakdown literal like breakdown by dragons or because of dragons of slavery and everything. But my God, honestly, I'm glad it's over okay. nine books is I don't even want to say nine books is too many, but for this series, it was too many. I was, I was going to say, but, but speaking of sagas, what about the other George R. R. Martin long running series? Could always read the 24 wild cards books. No, I'm not going to do that. Oh, I could uh, I could pretend like I cared, but well, I, I I was a wild cards reader when they first came out, and I really enjoyed the first six books, except for Aces Abroad, which was terrible. But um, and after that, it slowly outwore its welcome, and I have not. I picked up. I read it through the original twelve series. 12 book series and then read the three book new cycle. Yeah. I've been catching up. A, a lot of it became look at the things that we're going to do to characters you like. And it's like, Oh, I, you learned the wrong lesson from game of Thrones, George. Maybe we, we want some of these people to have happy endings. Yeah, the, the sixth I'm not book, necessarily which I, a happy ending person, but I do agree that it gets very tiring when everything is bad all of the time. Yeah, yeah. I'm actually I'm reading Storm of I'm rereading. Sorry, John, I keep interrupting. I'm rereading Storm of Swords right now, and I am struggling to finish it because it's like everything's bad all of the time, and it's I know it's only gonna get worse because I'm only halfway through right now. Okay, so oh my gosh, we are done. We are done with the Temer series. Seth, thank you so much for joining us for this episode and for, I think it was uh, Crucible of Gold was the last one you joined yeah, us might for. Have been the last one I'm on. That's Hopefully we'll be able to get you onto some future episodes that aren't as last minute and also not us just like, blah, we're so glad we're done with this series. <laughs> but on that note, I do, before we like at, totally close out the Temer, the, the Temer series, Jonathan, what would you rate this series on a scale of one to 10? Well, being that I actually read through the whole thing, it's clearly not a one. Um, I, I would say this goes in the books of, I will pretty much remember my entire life that I read them and a year and a half from now, I remember nothing about them other than the basic plot line of Dragon's Napoleon. <laughs> so, so I would say uh, probably between a four and a half and a five and a half somewhere in, you know, depending on my mood. <laughs> Five is just too obvious, but you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Seth, I know it's been a little bit since you read them. What What do you think you would have 
or what what would you rate this series? Well, I I have to go as far as a seven, and the reason I'm going for seven is because in order to figure out whether in, in order to figure out what I might actually grade them as, I would need to read them again, and that prospect does not fill me with dread, so they must have been at least okay. Yeah, I uh, I know that a solid five is like a. God, I, I, that's, I think that's what I have to go with, though. Like, I will never read these books again. I know I will never read yeah. these books again. And to be honest, uh, I'm thinking about doing a giveaway because I have all nine of them in paperback. And I'm never going to read them again. And the ones I have are very lightly used. So it's like, yeah, maybe I should give away these nine very lightly used books. Uh, I, and I don't know if I'll do a... I don't know. Yeah, I'll probably just do a giveaway uh, for season two because we did one for season one. So I feel like I have to do one for season two. It's it, to be honest, if it hadn't been for how just lovely like the dragons were and everything, and the things I liked about the different cultures and the just complete deconstruction of like slavery and colonialism, I would have rated this series like a three and a half or maybe a four, but the, the dragons and stuff gave it that extra oomph. So solid five. It's not the worst thing I've ever read. I like, like Jonathan said, I did read them all. I did finish the series. I didn't super regret it until the last two books. Like the last two books were tough for me. So yeah, there's that, <laughs> but it's done now. And on that note, once again, I'm Tara along with Jonathan and special guest Seth. Thank you guys for joining us and thank everybody who's listening for joining us for Sagas and Sass. And we'll see you next time when we have our holiday special, which is a sassy and sexy holiday special about the Netflix TV show Sex Education because it has nothing to do with the holidays, but we really thought that we deserved something super fun after this whole season because Broken Earth was depressing, Dave Abad wasn't much less depressing, and Temerar was just rough at the end. So thank you guys for joining us and have a lovely uh, evening. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to the Sagas and Sass podcast. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter at Sagas and Sass.